Welcome to the Forever Classic Podcast, the podcast seeking enlightenment through games, film, and other geek culture. This is Zach, as always, with Alex and Joe again this week. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Hey, man. It's pretty all right over here, you know. Just uh, things are starting to ramp up a little bit as far as work and stuff's concerned, but... I will survive. I, <laughs> Somehow, some shape or form. I understand entirely. Yeah, you were like, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be cool to move? And then your work was like, wouldn't it be cool if you had more work? Yeah, I mean it it all just is, you know, timing. It's nobody's fault on either side. It's just one of those things, right? It we just so happen to find a place at this time, you know, it's it'll be fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's been been good on my end. Uh I got a full day of like gaming in on saturday and then i oh, got nice. to do some of my favorite thing which is tinker with mm. some stuff yesterday and i'll get more into that in a little bit but uh yeah it's been good how about you zach um just working in a new location got a little raise for that yeah. that was nice lots of f- little family stuff and playing a little bit of destiny hell yeah always a plus man yeah it's all right we're getting getting old old <laughs> teammates back together who haven't played in a long time and it's kind of interesting yeah i heard it's like so so divisive i think is what a lot of destiny diehards were saying about it but we'll get into that in a bit yeah it seems like that's gonna be in the next section (laughs) alex yo how how would people support us and our team over here at forever classic if they wanted Ooh, right now is a great time to subscribe to our YouTube channel because uh, we recently got a video that hit like 150,000 likes or views on it. And now suddenly we're like, wait a minute, we could actually utilize this to help keep the site ad free. So if you want to just do something that's completely free, go over to our YouTube, look for Forever Classic Games and hit that little subscribe button. And if you want to hit the notification, you can. I'm sure it helps the algorithm somehow. But for now, just that main subscribe number is really what we need. I think we're going to hit the, like, the time that you have to get in order to be able to monetize videos fairly soon. It's just that subscriber number is what we're needing. We're almost at 200 currently. We need 1,000. So if you have friends, let them know that, you know, it's a free way to support clutter-free media in the games industry. And you don't get that very often, so we would love to keep doing that. Uh, the other thing going on is you can send us an email at contact at foreverclassicgames.com, and that's a great way to just get a hold of us, whether you're a developer or just somebody who wants to say hello. Uh, that's our general contact line, and if it happens to be business-related, it's business at Forever Classic Games, and we can always be found on Twitter as well. Thank you, Alex, for that sweet little, uh, breakdown on what's been going on with us and how you can support us, but, uh... Let's get into the Geek Peak. Oh, the Geek Peak? Yeah, the Geek Peak. Just a little look at what we've been into this week. Just a single thing that we are geeking out about right now uh, and uh, want to share and talk about. Uh, Zach, I think you probably got the most current events topic <laughs> <laughs> listed. Um, so why don't we why don't we go ahead and start with you because it sort of seems like... Uh, it might like it actually is sort of like a big deal with a, a large community. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Uh, before we do that, I've got to say every time I hear you say Geek Peak, I hear the Sega tune in my head. Geek Peak. <laughs> <laughs> Sega. Welcome to the Geek Peak. 
right, so yeah, so I've been playing Destiny. I've been playing it for, we, me and uh, Toast got back into it a lot, and we've been really playing a bunch. So for this season of Lightfall, we kind of put off getting it. We didn't hop in week one like we did with Witch Queen, because uh, we weren't overly excited about the Vaporwave neon, neon everything, everything. In all honesty, I just bought it, and I haven't done anything with it. We've just been doing other content, leveling up, doing all the other raids, kind of catching up with old friends. Um, it feels way different than it did, you know, a week and a half ago with the mod changes to all the armors. Although it's really nice that you don't have to have a fire armor, an arc armor, a void armor, a stasis armor. It's, that sucked. Uh, so now it's all just the same across the board. So you have like pretty blank builds. Uh, change off is this is the, all everything I'm going to say is going to sound a lot more familiar to people who've played over the years rather than somebody new. So this might sound a little confusing, but they used to you make orbs of light to charge your super and abilities and stuff. Just it's how you do stuff. Every time you cast a super, you get little orbs that pop out for everybody else to get extra light from. Uh, they took away, like, your way to make a bunch of them. Uh, I don't know, like a year and a half ago, two years ago now. Uh, but they just put a ton of it back in, so you just basically make orbs all day, every day, for everything you do. And it's, like, insane. Uh, which is what a lot of builds are built around right now. A lot of the builds just kind of tweaked from season to season. I'd say the biggest thing with Lightfall is a lot of people were really cranky about the story. Uh, I haven't jumped into it, but I've listened to plenty of the lore going on and all my all my friend group have played and explained it. Everybody's got the one big question, what the fuck is the veil? Because <laughs> there's no explanation of it except for, like, the veil is this thing. It's important. And then the whole campaign is like, yeah, we got to get it. Like, we know what it is. We know what's going on. You got to make sure that you're doing it. But it doesn't ever, 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 ever say the reason why it's important. Or what it is. Hmm. Like, the, I guess the important is it's got some, like, ties to the planet. But that's only one piece of it. That's not why, like, the bad guy's after it. So the whole whole campaign feels like a big confusing, like, alright, we're, we're protecting the important thing. I, I don't know why, though. But we're protecting the important thing. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> enough so that Bungie... Yeah come out and said you know like we don't usually like talk about what's going on and stuff but there will be a quest coming out that explains what the veil is and why it's important please don't be so mad <laughs> and with each release or each expansion there's always like a big raid, con raid contest right mm -hmm. and i think i had read somewhere that this raid got beaten like basically immediately. Yeah, the, the like within a couple of hours. Yeah, the team that beat it did it in like two and a half hours, I think, uh, which is absurd. Yeah, because these things normally take like way longer, right? Ah, uh, yeah, you're looking at. I think most average they end up being like fourteen to seventeen hours in, then somebody gets the win. But these people just like cruised through it, and it wasn't even like super super well known. It wasn't <laughs> the people that everybody was like, we're gonna watch this team win. It was a bunch of people uh, who got together. I can't remember their names to save my life. I bet you they're having a great day, though. Yeah, because they, they were like, yeah, you know, we went in with our like our normal followers. And then they were like about halfway through, like our viewership just exploded because people were like, holy shit, they're in the lead. 
they're gonna do it <laughs> that's awesome and and you know all of that happened in like two and a half hours so <laughs> it was ridiculous incredible so i the things i've picked up from and about that is it's an excellent lore experience it's extremely beautiful mm-hmm. um some pieces are still confusing because of course there's chatter about the veil nobody knows what the fuck it is the main boss does not look like what everybody thought the main boss would look like my favorite yeah. favorite thing is everybody was like oh wow they're like we kind of expected it to be kind of like spindly and creepy like rolk from the the last raid but this this big bad looks like he's rocking the dad bod 100 percent. i immediately thought of like people playing destiny and then finding like a cuphead boss <laughs> just like no one expected it to look like this <laughs> uh, just a spindly cartoon nightmare creature in the middle of destiny like it becomes a bullet hell <laughs> but everybody praises the lore for it and you know it's still the first like several days so nobody's really gone all the way through all the little nitty gritty nooks and crannies of exploration that'll come out in the week but otherwise uh people have been like lightfall fell in the face raid was great if lightfall was anywhere close to what witch queen was like didn't even have to be like at that level or better just kind of like close um yeah they everybody would have been like ecstatic having great story great raid with great Mm, story sure yeah like paired together but it's the kind of a hard mixed bag and then if you look at like the dlc on steam for lightfall it's just all of its uh, reviews of all time and recent are just both stacked up at mostly negative hmm Mm. go figure right so is now a a good time to jump in if you're new uh i mean of course it's an expansion launch everybody was reset to the same level which was 1600 um right it's right. it's pretty solid to jump in if you're new especially if you're getting lightfall with your jump in because you'll get access to the strand class and be able to play with all the new things uh pending you play through the story because you have to beat the what is this st- is there four classes now then F- five so void because it's titan warlock hunter oh sorry not classes subclasses Oh, okay. So you, you're, you're, <laughs> I was like, wait, they added a class? That seems like a big deal for them. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be a whole whole thing in itself. That would literally change the game. But yeah, so you have... <laughs> the whole balance is different. So we had the, the three light classes, Arc, Solar, and Void, uh, and we've had Stasis for a little bit, uh, and now they okay. just added Strand, which is the second Darkness class with Stasis. Oh, that's Kojima's favorite class. Because <laughs> it's a Strand. He's the inventor of the Strand game. Whoa. The world's most budding video game genre. It's really... I played through that shit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's... That's something that I'll never forget. Like We planned on doing a whole thing, and what I figured would turn into Zach playing it all the way through and figuring it all out, and me just kind of like riding along the back end, completely changed because I played like all of Death Stranding. And I think Zach got maybe an hour into it if he played it at all. Yeah, I did not get very far. Yeah. I think I'm like 23 hours into my playthrough on PC. It's something. <laughs> I can't wait to see what the sequel is It's about. an experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to finish it before the second one comes out. So it's, yeah. it's on my short list for sure to finish it up. Joe, speaking of second ones. Second ones? Your thing. Your Geek Peak <laughs> thing is a two. Come it on, is a man. Two. <laughs> I it's pitched been that out one for, down the home plate. It is a two, but it's been out for 20 years. 
Um, no, my also thing is uh, <laughs> Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting stoked for the third one, so I'm playing around with some, like, one of the earlier titles. I've recently played through the first one, so I'm just going to jump into two and just get myself hyped for three. Mm-hmm. But in doing that and combining my recent interest in exploring voice acting, I've dug into and figured out how to record my own custom voice pack for the game. That's dangerous. So oh, that's I, cool. <laughs> I basically, I found you can just access the files. They're just WAV files in a folder in the game directory. Um, and what's cool about it is I was expecting to have to like replace files, mm-hmm. like rename, like rename a file, the correct n- file name type and put it in the folder, like override that file. Right. But the, I didn't have to do that. The game is programmed to recognize like a new data set within that folder. Like, the way it's programmed. So I don't have to override anything. I can just add. And so I found someone had done the hard work of going through what each file identity meant. So you could just name it whatever, and then the final number or letter indicates, tells the game what prompt it is. Oh. It just reads the file name up to a certain point, and then the final letter or number tells it what... like which one it is so if it's a battle cry it's a certain letter designation and so the game is recognizing that so when you add a new set of sounds it registers that as a whole new option in the game to pick from when choosing your character's voice Hmm. and so i got that someone went through all the hard work and like wrote down what each letter and number prompt was it'll be like a is a battle cry. B is char- selecting the character, action acknowledgement, you know, successfully pickpocketing someone, being tired, dying, getting hmm. hit. I took that list, wrote up my own lines for each of those prompts, and then just went into my closet booth, recorded each of the lines in a big long thing, and then just saved out my favorite takes of each line as an individual file following what each prompt designation was added to the game. And when I fired up the game and looked at the voice options, there it was. It just showed up and I could just hit play preview or whatever. And it would just cycle through all of the things. So I could like hear my voice or my character, like the voice that I did coming out of the video game. And gotta say that was pretty satisfying to like, that's a cool little thing to just, like immediately get the response from yeah and and, i mean it it took some tinkering because it's kind of finicky with its audio file specifications well sure Uh, 20 year old video game (laughs) yeah the the first time uh the first time i exported it and it read it right and i'm looking at it and i hit preview and it's like <laughs> and it was like playing it back at like a hundredth speed like the playback speed was completely wrong oh. and so then i like investigated what each audio file specification was found those settings in audition uh and saved it out again and it picked it up and it worked just fine fun <laughs> So can't you create customs too in Baldur? Like, can you make yeah, your own so you, little custom you create, party? Yeah, you can. 
okay. I think like to, to to fully enjoy the story, it involves a lot of meeting the, and playing the characters. But I think you can just like make a whole party. That would be really fun. Just play through the game with a bunch of like custom voice lines and stuff. Yeah, and so that's what I've been tinkering with. Is huh. just like I wanted to like my goal was to put my voice in the game. There's yeah. only 36 prompts. So it's not like I'm trying to like read through a thousand page game script, you know, and kind of get those results in practice and test out my new booth and set up in a, a really tactile, rewarding way. Mm-hmm. That'll be my most recent or my, my upcoming playthrough of the game. My character will be voiced by me. It would be super cool if it was this was also in the third one, that you could carry that forward somehow. Yeah, and so I kind of want to reach out to them, uh-huh. and I think we might have a contact through one of our writers, uh, and just ask them, like, this is something that I, we can do with the old games that actually is kind of cool, mm-hmm. like in terms of character customization, is this something that can be done or like with some relative ease? Because I think you can add custom voice packs to like other Lorian games. So I think sure. Divinity Original Sin 2, it wouldn't surprise me if you can just Open add in whatever you want. Like the modding right. scene is crazy. But hmm. the question is, is how straightforward is it? Okay. Is it like, do you need modding tools or game developing tools to like mod these things in? Or can you just add a batch of files to a folder and be done with it. And will you provide resources for people to do so? Like if someone wanted to, is there going to be a script that people can just grab and use to like record their own dialogue? Because you don't have to alter any of the dialogue options or anything. Right. And so like that's what's cool about it to me is like as a fan of Dungeons and Dragons, Mm -hmm. doing a character voice, playing a character and so just that little touch and option of character customization, I think, is going to go a long way with sort of that immersion and Interesting. being a Dungeons & Dragons game. This is my character. Yeah. That's my voice. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my two favorite lines kind of go hand in hand uh, that I recorded, and one is when the character is tired. And they're like, I'm not tired. You're tired. That's and fun. then. The other one is, I'm not dying, you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> what a super cool way to interact with a with a retro classic, man. That's super neat. That is really neat. Yeah, and it's it's in the uh, updated enhanced edition version that Beamdog did the uh, like the upscaling and like compatibility with so modern plot. Presumably, the definitive way to play. Seemingly. Uh, hmm. Like, it, it just automatically works with Windows 10 and 11 and modern platforms and displays and things like that. So Cool. And it, you can get it on, like, GOG regularly for, like, 10 bucks. Okay. So if this yeah. is if this is something that you're interested in, like, doing, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to add my voice to a video game, it's 36 lines, just reach out to us mm-hmm. and I will gladly share what I learned. What about you, Alex? All right, What's your geek so peak? speaking of things that are real freaking geeky, uh, Nier Automata is super cool. And I say this as somebody whose whole thing right now is just getting lost in the insane lore and philosophy of the Nier universe. 
which goes clear back to Drakengard on the PS2, man. Like, but the the anime just came out, and we just did a big. We have a new show coming out here pretty soon. We don't have a name for it as of this recording, but it's going to be a book study style thing where basically collectively we pick a game, we put it in a schedule, we beat the game, play as much as we can, research it, whatever. And so our first episode is going to be me and Justin Wood of Dread XP and Here's Johnny fame, and has also contributed to various articles on Forever Classic Games. Uh, we played the holy crap out of Nier Automata, and I also read a bunch of, like, short story work that was published in book form, and I've been watching the anime. And so basically I'm here to tell you that the Nier anime is actually pretty good, surprisingly. Even though you'll see a lot of people complaining about how some of the robots are using in-game models and they don't look super good, I thought this would be a problem too. But by episode two or three of this show, I was like, wow, it's it's actually condensing the story of Nier in a way that's fascinating. And then by the time I got to like episode five or six, the episode was on the short story that I was reading that's a prequel to the whole thing. Huh. Like, it really is a work that seemingly takes... Everything that exists about Nier into mind. They even reference the original game in like this really cool flashback section. Sort of seems like it's a really cohesive, well thought out and planned multimedia like experience. Yeah, and the biggest argument is Nier Automata works best as a video game. The things that that game does to mess with the player expectation and to really draw you in as the player of a video game is unmatched. It's something that a lot of games have been emulating ever since, and so it was really, like, a, an important moment in game development time for a lot of reasons, and that being one of the biggest ones. And so, as an anime, it's like, okay, well, how is this... How is this gonna wrestle with that? And, the, and so far, it doesn't. It does, in the outro, reference a bunch of stuff, like alternate endings. Uh, they talk about secret stuff that's in the game. Like, for example, if you press both of the thumbsticks in your character blows up but they can survive and when they survive they have less clothing and some people think that's great <laughs> for obvious <laughs> reasons uh so it's it's one of those anime that like it's really bizarre but for whatever reason it's a pretty good like overview of the story so if you're playing near or you're like interested in just the general like surface level reading of that world I think the anime is a good place to start, and I can't wait to see where it ends. And the discussion with Justin, will that be published by the time this episode goes live? It should be, because the episode is going out next Monday. So whenever this is live, what we're recording today, uh, we should might even have the second episode of the Game Study Show. Um, but if you're into game studies, uh, also on the docket is Resident Evil 2 Remake, which should also be out by the time this airs. Mega Man 2 on the NES, and Tunic. So if any of those games interest you, hit that, uh, like, and you want to send us some thoughts about those games, hit the contact at foreverclassicgames.com over on the yeah, email. Yeah, I think, I think there's room for reading a couple of uh, listener responses to, to yeah. games that they enjoy that we're going to be talking about. The big but project like we're me, doing is in the summer we're going to be covering Final Fantasy IX, so we're going to start playing that, like, soon. But if you were like me and thought that the near discussion was just going to be the game and had no idea that there was all these other pieces to it that added to that discussion. It might be worth going back and like listening to that. If mm -hmm. that, if that's something that you're interested in. Oh, that's really cool. And have you finished the anime? Uh, it's not, it's ongoing as we speak. So oh, I okay. watched, uh, I think episode seven, 
on Crunchyroll recently. And so it's right. it's airing. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. If I had to guess, it would be like 12 or 13 based on the pace that it's in currently, but I don't know. Yeah, not sure. Very I've cool. been waiting to start it. I just haven't actually started it. I'd recommend it. Yeah. Sweet. All right. And that brings us to our topic for our episode today. Mm. The Switch is six. Yeah, look at that. Six years of the Nintendo Switch as of just a few days ago. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to take a look at this unique piece of hardware that has really changed the gaming market in in some big ways and took a lot of people, I think, by surprise. Mm -hmm. Because people have underestimated Nintendo for years and years, particularly after the weak response to the Wii U. Uh, The Switch coming onto the scene and now possibly going to overtake the PlayStation 2 in most units sold ever. Mm-hmm. And and I think up there with, like, the like I think it just recently cleared the Game Boy, if I remember correctly. Mm, looks like at least 120 million units sold. I can try to find that chart here in a second. <laughs> but, like, I don't think anyone expected their... Especially with, like, they already had, like, a portable console on the market, right? The 3DS was still selling and still being developed for when the Switch came out. If you're going by this Wikipedia uh, collection of sales data, which, granted, this is sales data that we often get from publishers in big news publishings. Um, but currently, it's PlayStation 2 at an estimated $155 million, which, you know, could be a lot more. Any of these numbers could be grossly yeah. under uh, inflated or one way or the other. Uh, the Nintendo DS at 154 million, and then the Switch at 122. So it's like a third best-selling console of all time by this data. Right. And in terms of like, if you're looking at home console, which I think a lot of people tend to ignore the handheld market when it comes to these sort of statistics. So you have this hybrid portable home console like thing with the switch and so i think a lot of people categorize it as a home console Mm -hmm. and so that would place it as the second best-selling home console just behind the playstation 2 which is insane to think about because the playstation 2 was how a lot of people watch dvds yep yeah it was and so that's why it's so that's why it sold so well and the switch is a designated hardware only like gaming heart piece of hardware only right i don't think you can even watch youtube on it can you you can by now right you got huge i think it's hulu crunchyroll and youtube are the three video watching things that are on it which is funny because the wii u and the wii i think had more video streaming options but it goes to show just how big of a deal this thing is as a thing that just plays video games pretty much (laughs) yeah yeah it's excellent and being six years old, like, so I have two thoughts with it. It's like one, yeah. six years old, picture like a toddler. Right. First, first image <laughs> that comes to mind. Second thought that comes to mind is you start thinking about it in like dog years. And then you realize that it's like console years. And it really makes the switch more like the 50 year old man. Mm-hmm. Still just Cause, blazing I mean, most consoles. They last about 10 years, give or take. Yeah. So, um, so some consoles will, like, underdo it. Some will overdo it. Like, the PS2 was still getting games, like, almost 15 years into its life cycle, if not more. That's true. I mean, I, so my mental image finally, like, settles on, like, the Switch being, like, the Dos Equis man. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly the most interesting man in the room. <laughs> but with just a lot more weird hentai games for some reason. <laughs> Not as many as Steam. That's that's a whole Well, nothing's going to be Steam in that market. <laughs> but it is interesting like going on like the Xbox yeah. like store and then the PlayStation store and it's all pretty cleaned up and then you hit the eShop and it's like literally games called anime hentai girls versus boobs or whatever like yeah like it's it, the <laughs> shovelware on switch is pretty hilarious but granted it would take you four years to look at any of it on the xbox so i mean it's probably yeah. there and we just don't see it i hate AAA the xbox clock UI, is on its hundredth release <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like good old triple a clock always on that new release is yeah, it just keeps un un and re-releasing itself. Like there's some <laughs> sketchy stuff happening on the Switch marketplace, but generally it's been a like a groundbreaking system. It has been a trendsetter in a lot of ways. It was an absolute godsend during the the pandemic era in 2020, which For COVID sure. is still very much a thing. It's not like we're out of it, but at its height, the Switch was like the thing to have to keep they were people hard to mentally find. sane. As a family that was trying to get a second one because mm-hmm. we wanted more Animal Crossing options in the house. Yeah. And three of us trying to share one island was not going well. Uh, yeah, we tried to. It took us a month to get a hold of a, a Switch Lite for Sam. I wonder what the sales of the Switch are like starting in like January 2020 up till now. Because I, uh, I guarantee it's an exponential increase. Well, I think I think COVID and then the release of Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. there's got to be a huge spike right there. Yep. Yeah, like a, an absolute massive spike. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like the perfect, like even I, who don't really like those types of games, played a bunch of Animal Crossing yeah, during that time. We did a whole podcast episode in Animal Crossing. We yeah, did. We did. Th- um, That's on YouTube. I think my I think <laughs> I, I still have that. my basement set up to do an in-game cast. That's super fun. <laughs> Hilarious. But I was a little late to the game, generally speaking, because I didn't I didn't have the money for a while. And I was pretty heavily PlayStation and PC and I wanted to switch, just didn't never had an opportunity until like three years in. Two or three years in or something like that. Maybe it was just right after the second anniversary. Okay. Um so that's like that's when I got into it, and I bought like the base model that was there. Picked up a couple of games. I think I grabbed uh, Mario Odyssey, Octopath Traveler, and then like Let's Go Pikachu. Sure. I started literally as soon as you could. Like me and Andrew at Marooners Rock, like we we were reporting on that E3, right? And so yeah. we saw the thing, and we're like, "Holy shit, that's the coolest video game system I've ever seen in my life." And so he called me, and he's like. The pre-orders hit tomorrow morning. Do you want to go get it? And I'm like, yeah. So we got up at like four in the morning <laughs> and drove over to the local mall and just waited. And we got one of like six pre-orders at that particular GameStop or something. Like it was insane. And then we got it well, I suppose it day that would have been before, before your move to Alaska. Yep. I was in West Virginia at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very sense. close to a PAX East. And I think that was around the same time when the Alaska stuff started to come into place. Yeah. It was so, wild. Like, what about you, Zach? When so did you Zelda? jump onto the Switch wagon? Uh, it wasn't long after Animal Crossing. 
we managed mm. to find a switch because we got one for toast pretty quickly and then i got one shortly after specifically so we could get into animal crossing and then you'd found the animal crossing one that i was looking for and i bought that from you yep <laughs> that's I right remember i remember that, that. Yeah. and then i sold and then i did like ship it to you yeah and then i sold <laughs> i figured out how to move my island and not lose anything and then i sold that one to one of my employees nice. um and that's that's so are you rocking an oled now no i'm still rocking oh, the animal okay. crossing one <laughs> Oh, okay. I will gotcha. say, retro collecting and buying games in Minnesota sucks, but anything new kind of rocks in Minnesota because it's still Midwest and like, especially in the Twin Cities area, it's popular enough to keep like to get current products and mm-hmm. to get good stuff. But the demand isn't high enough for it to fly like fly off the shelves continuously like it does on the coast. Right. So I've been able to get pretty lucky with buying new consoles. I got a Wii when they were impossible to find mm-hmm. just because that's just not something that the Midwest is super into in the same way. But when they get them, they never let go of them. Yep. Yep. That's what I'm finding out now. Like I've been actively looking for a CRT and just stumbled into one the other day. Cause the lady who yeah. uh, is the previous tenant of where we're moving into just had one. And I'm like, if you don't want to move that, I'll, you can just leave that there. I'll take that. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I got I got the OLED mm. uh, while they were kind of difficult to find. There, I went to a Target. There wasn't anything on the shelf. I asked the guy uh, if they were out, and he's like, eh. he took a quick look, and he's like, actually, there is one here, um, but someone returned it because mm. the the packaging was damaged or whatever. So I'm guessing it was a scalper. Oh, maybe. Who wanted to scalp it. Or something. Or something. And then they, I was like, well, since it is damn, like, since the packaging is damaged, is there, like, a discount or something? And he's like, I can throw another 5% on there or whatever. There was, I had, like, some sort of coupon or credit or something. And then I, I ended up getting it for less than the cost of a new regular Switch. Nice. I traded in a bunch of stuff that was just laying in a box somewhere to our local retro group. And I, like, traded it in at the store and got a Switch OLED that was practically new. And so that's what I've been rocking ever since, and it's great. Yeah. (laughs) I really like the OLED model. Um, And I think I've said this before in the past, but going to the OLED model, I was like, wow, this is really nice. It's a good quality screen. The extra memory built in is Mm -hmm. awesome. The improved kickstand is incredible. Yep. Um, But overall, I didn't think my experience was being enhanced that much. Until I picked up the regular Switch again after using the OLED for a long time. Yep. And you're like, oh, no, this is bad. (laughs) Yep. It's a night and day difference, man. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you know what? I kind of want to get into Switch. Even just like there's such a big library right now, too. You got to go with the OLED if you're like really into it. Um, And it's what? 50 bucks more? Yeah. Retail. MSRP is at like $349.99, right? Um, it's overall a great value if you're looking for a, a thing that plays a lot of games. And because yep. of the portability aspect, it's a versatile little machine. And one of my favorite things about it is all the third-party stuff you can get for it. Yeah. For 50 bucks, the extra memory, the better kickstand, mm-hmm. uh, and the better battery yep. are worth 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. And that's before you even get to the bigger screen and higher-quality OLED screen. Right. And it's... 
Yeah, I, I, some games just really pop on that OLED screen. Oh, for sure. Uh, and a lot of games are, like, the ones that are made to be really good on Switch are the ones that have a tendency to look the best. So some of the first-party Nintendo stuff looks incredible. Like, I hear that Metroid Prime is just awesome on the Switch, and I really look forward to finding that physical copy one of these days because oh, I thought Buy you had canceled. one coming they canceled my order it's been a oh. whole thing man. oh no <laughs> i'm sorry well if i spot really a, if i spot it. a copy at the at the target near me or something i'll let you know and you can yeah. save me some money and i'll pick it up for you that's a thing i would too. pick it up but i'm not buying new games this year <laughs> well let me know because i can just put that on a target credit card maybe i can just mail it to your place or something i don't know so regardless i had one weeks in advance and then they canceled uh, man, it out of the blue. If you had told me, I would have kept an eye out for you. Eh, it's fine. I it's have a one of those. I want it, but it's not. It's not high on my list. I want a Steam Deck. Why? Because the Switch is so cool, and I want the Switch but better, Joe. That's right. This is what I want. What <laughs> in terms of my impact for gaming, I've always been a, a like pretty heavily handheld gamer. I have too. Growing yeah. up, Game Boy and Game Boy Game Boy Color and Game Boy Advance were like my go-to for a long time. Then I had a DS Lite, and I loved the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And so this, like, the concept of this console that I can just grab and play on the couch if someone's using the TV or drop it in the, drop it into any dock yep. in the house and just keep playing is such a cool concept. Funnily enough, I've been doing this since the 90s because I had a Game Boy and a Super Game Boy. And even as a kid, I was, like, playing handheld games on a TV and then walking around with it is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and so, like, when the Game Boy player came out for the GameCube, I'm like, ooh, I want one of those. And then yeah. when I found out that they made a Game Boy player for the N64, but it only played Pokemon, and yet it did weird roundabout way to do it, I'm like, well, that's not as good as my Super I Game Boy. I definitely remember using Pokemon Stadium and the, like, the thing that uh -huh. plugged into the controller a lot to play Pokemon on the TV. If you could just play any Game Boy game with that, it would have been so much cooler. And now you can play Game Boy games on the switch it comes full circle man <laughs> they're not as good not by a not by a mile but they're there and you can play metroid fusion which is a great video game and you should play metroid fusion uh, we well, funnily enough i have that on my 3ds because i had the ambassador program because yeah. i was an early adopter of 3ds before the price drop and they're like yeah here's some free games and so that's where i've i've played it but since release i would argue that the switch has been the biggest like part of my my gaming and professional life because you know we do a lot of reviews and content and stuff with the games that we pick up and so the switch is like by far the biggest console i've covered as far as titles are concerned and i love yeah. it because it's versatile if it's something that i'm like oh, i need to get another two or three hours into this before i'm ready that's really easy to do when you're like snuggled up in bed or waking up on a Sunday, like having your coffee or whatever. Like it just gives you more ways to play, which I think is yeah. always a good thing. And there's so many games and variety of games that you can kind of get your flavor of whatever you want yep. to wind down at the end of the day or start your day with or on your breaks at work or RPGs, Metroidvanias, beat em ups are everywhere on that thing. True. Retro classics collections like there's so many good things on the switch yeah and some of my fondest gaming memories are because we have two switches in the house with my daughter having one as well is playing these games together yep even before most recent generation of pokemon scarlet and violet we would just sit and play together little gamer would have 
one version and I would have the other version. We'd just sit next to each other and play and occasionally trade or battle each other. And I would help or say prompt like, oh, you're mm-hmm. going to want to go over here or the, you know, teaching her the rules of Pokemon, right? And how to get through it. And some of them she caught on to more than others. But we even did this with like the Game Boy Advance titles where we just sit next to each other and play these games. We're technically playing solo, mm-hmm. but it's just like a bonding experience, like playing together alone or what are you know, playing alone together or whatever. Sure, yeah. You, you want to say it, but it has been my go-to gaming as a parent on the Switch. Not to say that we haven't done gaming on other things. It's just it's so accessible and easy for us to just sit on the couch together, mm-hmm. have a, a cartoon playing on the TV while we each have our Switches, and just hanging out and eating snacks and having a good good old time. There's something to be said, too, about the way that you can easily share the Switch, right? Like, that was the whole concept they pushed in the beginning is you take off the joy cons while you're at a park and you hand it to somebody to play some random game with right yeah and i've seen that in action before um especially when we got together for like family events for christmas or thanksgiving somebody would have some wacky puzzle game and you know we'd have enough controllers between two or three of us and so that's what we've yeah. been doing now is oh bring your controllers over to wherever right and we'd play mario kart or mario party or Unfortunately, the Joy-Cons are just a mixed bag. There's some cool tech in there. It's my least favorite controller of all time, honestly. Like the <laughs> like you think about the like the various features that are in it, like the 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 HD rumble or whatever. Yep. How it can shake and rumble so that you can accurately guess how many marbles are in a box. That's Granted, nuts. not many games use it. And no, that's I think that's like expected. one game. One game is really effectively used it in that way. But it is a cool showcase of yeah. what is possible with like HD Rumble. It's just no one's really doing anything with it. It's kind of like the Rumble that you get in the Dual Sense on the PS5. Like there are games that really like make a difference with that Rumble feature. Um, even yeah. something simple as like when a fireball is coming at you in demon souls it'll rumble or like when you're fishing in the latest like a dragonetian or whatever you can actually play the whole fishing mini game without looking at the screen because it, it rumbles so precisely that's cool that is really i know cool. that uh they used it effectively in uh the last of us remake on playstation right, 5 yeah. to not only like when you're walking around feel the footsteps and your heartbeat mm-hmm. of your character during cutscenes, it would the rumble would enhance the emotional status of characters talking oh yeah yeah so they would use it to sort of like enhance that experience to put you a little bit more immersive into the right. situation now the other reason why i guess i i don't know of any really notable uses of the rumble on the switch is because i switched over to the hori split pad so That's i don't use true. official controllers for anything right I've had nothing but trouble with the official controllers, whether it's it's mostly the stick drift. Like, I've gone through at least two or three pairs of Joy-Cons and at least two Pro Controllers. Yeah, and, the, the you know, that's where the Joy-Cons are such a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. It's because there's some cool... It's a cool concept. There's some cool ideas in it, but they're not that comfortable. Mm-mm. Oh, no. And that was my biggest complaint when it first came out. They The failure rate on the joysticks is so high and nintendo has not addressed it they've just said and eh, just send it in we'll fix it to their credit they do do that yeah they, they well. do in fact <laughs> fix it and send it back out but they have not changed the design at all yeah to make it better so if you guys could have a switch 2 then 
knowing what we know now and the size of the library and the UI and all that, what would you want in a second one? Or like an updated version, like a true Switch 2 that still maintains the same library? I think easier customization. Mm. So like, go ahead and keep your cheap joysticks or whatever, but make it easy for people to put in better ones if they want. Okay. You want to drop an extra 15 bucks uh, to put a different joystick in it? Make it happen. Because right now, the Switch's biggest competition is the Steam Deck, and yep. everything on the Steam Deck is completely open source. You can 3D print your own whole entire shells if you want to. You can purchase directly from them upgraded joysticks or third-party joysticks that don't use the like whatever the, the whatever causes this joystick drift it's like a friction just, ring or something basically they use a magnetic stick thing now which is pretty right. much um like a way better stick and so i think looking at their biggest competition the steam deck which is kind of a portable pc but right ultimately people look at it and go that's a big hunk and switch mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially when you get that dock in there and you connect that little dude over to your TV and you're like, man, the future's great. <laughs> right. And then, uh, so I think, like, better options for customizations, better first-party options for, like, controller options. Because yep. right now it's, like, just the Joy-Cons in different colors and the Pro Controller. Everything the, else is, like, Power A. controllers are first-party as well. Which ones? Like the NES and the SNES and the N64. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently those are well-made controllers. But they're yeah. kind of like limited use. Impossible to find, too. Well, you got to <laughs> order them straight from Nintendo. That's yeah. the big, which is what Steam does, but Steam does it in a in a better way. Because you can order a Steam Deck today and probably have it by like next Tuesday. Yeah. and True. But you don't have to, you have to buy the Steam Deck from Valve, but you don't have to buy any accessories from them. That's true. And that is the big advantage right now with the Switch. So. Zach, what about you? What would you want in a Switch 2, theoretically? Um, God. I'm really not sure specifically what I'd like, because it's really been my big foray into, like, handheld gaming. I played a little 3DS because we did a lot of Monster Hunter and Animal Crossing on that. Yeah, we did. But, um... Good times. Those were good times. Those were lots of, lots of hair-biting fights. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of opportunities we'll have in the future uh, to do some monster hunting stuff. When we get a world two, hell yeah. Maybe we need to look at wild hearts. Perhaps. I mean, regardless, we can always go back to rise. You know what? Maybe if they added, uh, like a fucking screencast feature. Ooh, on the switch. Yeah. So maybe instead of having oh. to put it on a dock, you could just set it down, screencast it to the screen that you're going to be in, play at that resolution of the TV. And then just plug it back in, like plug your cons back into the side if you don't want to do whatever. If they're gonna change the controller, mm. or keep it the same. You never know, because uh, Nintendo's had some very different controllers, generation like an Apple generation. TV or something. Yeah, well, because uh, okay. I can even screencast with my phone to pretty much any well, smart sure. TV nearby. But to do that yeah. with a console and just whoop. And it'd be good. That's that's, that's the, that's the, the asterisk there, right? Asterisk is <laughs> it'd be okay. Like yeah. playing a video or music is one thing. Having to interact with that stream is is going to be a challenge. Or maybe it's uh, one of those things where you just mirror the screen so that other people can watch it, like some of the VR stuff does. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I would add to that, you know, I think 4K to be competitive yeah. is a must. Yeah. Uh, and then backwards compatibility with the library. That's a big one. If they came out too. with a Switch mm-hmm. 2 and you couldn't play your your library forward, I would probably wait a lot longer to jump on board. Yeah, that's I would true. too, unless you gave me a damn good reason to pick it up, right? Like, if they come out with a Switch 2 and they're like, oh, it's only Switch 2 games, but then they give you, like, literally the best version of Zelda you've ever seen, then I'd be like, all right, I'm in. Uh, but the thing is, is having that backwards compatibility would be such a big benefit. It truly would be. To the millions of players who are already on this platform. And even then, that's not necessarily going to... Con- say they announce the Switch 2 or whatever, and they're like, the Breath, you know, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out on it, too. Well, part of why I waited so long to get the Switch was I had that game on Wii U. Yep. I remember that conversation. Yep. So, like... I didn't have a whole lot of... It was like the one game I was interested in, but I already owned it. I mm-hmm. still don't own Breath of the Wild on Switch because I've I've beaten it. I've gotten my satisfaction out of it on the Wii U. Weirdly enough, I think that version of the game might end up being rarer and worth oh, more sure. in the future. It's sort of like a GameCube copy of Twilight Princess. Mine might be worth something one of these days. It's signed by the completionist. There you go. Oh, that's Like, fair. before he did it, I saw him at that same PAX East. And it was like, hey, man, I know you're going to do an episode on this. Would you <laughs> sign this? And he's like, absolutely. And yeah, look forward Hell to yeah. it. It was a really cool experience. I like Gerard. He's a good guy. But what about you, Alex? What do you want out of the Switch 2? I mean, right? Like, the, I just want the Switch, but better. Like, I really... <laughs> the thing that makes me irritated the most about the platform is just using the storefront sucks. It's so slow. It's See, you say hard that? to like sort information. The Xbox is worse. The PlayStation one is not much better. I use browsers and keys ninety percent of the time, but just yeah. like looking through deals and shit on the Switch is such an awful, awful experience. But the thing is, is I can find them. I can typically find what I'm looking for or want to browse on the Switch. It just sure. loads slowly. But I can get oh, what's new releases? Here's every new release. What's on sale? Here's every sale based off of popularity or whatever right. you want to think. You want to search a specific genre? There's a place for that. When Legend of Dragoon came out on PlayStation, you couldn't find the PlayStation, the new PlayStation releases anywhere on the storefront. I had to yep. search the Legend of Dragoon Not even to get it to pop you, up. Specifically the Legend of Dragoon yeah. to find it. I also went through this. It seems like anytime they shadow drop something or do it without much of a warning, it's much harder to find on PlayStation. So as much as people complain about the eShop storefront, at least I can find what I'm looking for right. every time. Yeah. I also would really appreciate the ability to have a physical game and be able to claim the download on it on that account at least once. I think that that would be super freaking sweet. Say I pull my Breath of the Wild off the shelf, I slot it in, and go, I own this. Give me my digital copy, too. That way, if I, A, lose that copy, or B, just don't feel like pulling out the cartridge, I can have access to my thing. Wouldn't that be nice? And then you have to, like, pop the game into to confirm your purchase every... No, skip that portion. You You attach it... <laughs> this is why you get, like, one shot, right? Like, it attaches to that account 
for so you to they get would a free attach download. it to the switch and you know that's how they would do it. They Nintendo it up somehow, but I'm I'm just saying that it's this is a thing we need to have in in physical. Except they'll media. never do that because it'll just be like, all right, here's your physical game. All right, here's your download. Hey, buddy, you want to buy buy this game for this brand new game for fifty bucks? And then you just bought Breath of the Wild for ten. Yeah, well, they'll never. This is why I poop on company time. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we wrap up our Switch. Six switch is six discussion, yeah, uh, and head into our bonus section, bonus segment that I've got ready for you guys. Let's just quickly list off our like top three games on the platform, okay. and they don't necessarily have to be like exclusive. That you just sure. played them on the Switch, and something about playing it on the Switch enhanced your experience. Uh, Zach, it. why don't you start us off? Well, of course, it's going to be Animal Crossing, New Horizons in particular. Followed by Nobody Monster Hunter Rise, because I love... <laughs> I have really just like playing Monster Hunter on that handheld. Yep. Granted, Switch everything's way too small for my big-ass hands, so Pro Controller into my hands to make it work. Dude, you gotta get the Hori, like, <laughs> Pro Cons. Uh, They're so good. And then Breath of the Wild. I've not played much of it, but Toast has, and I've watched a lot of it. It's great. Very cool. That's a game uh, that keeps for, on giving, right? Right, because there's so many <laughs> ways to approach it. Yeah, it, it definitely rewards a lot of uh, player creativity in terms of exploration. I find it to be completely unrewarding in its combat, but that's all personal preference. Sure enough. Uh, for me, it'd be Persona 5 Royal, which is a fairly new release on the Switch, uh, but I played Persona 4 Golden on the Vita, so I'm continuing playing it on an OLED portable, uh, and it looks great on an OLED, and it's easy to just pick up and play for a little bit. And even if I'm in mid-dungeon where I can't save it, I can just put the system to sleep and keep playing a little bit later. So it's been a really rewarding experience on the Switch specifically. I think what would make it better and would easily give me, probably prompt me to give Atlas another $60 or at least another purchase is if it had some sort of cross play with PlayStation or PC, mm-hmm. because there are times where I kind of wish I could see this game in 4k. Sure. Yep. But it is what it is. Uh, second would be Mario Odyssey. When I'm playing Mario Odyssey, I don't want to stop playing Mario Odyssey. It is a fun game to play. Um, it's, and it's incredible smart game design in terms of like how it teaches you how to play it. My daughter when she couldn't read, played through most of this game entirely by herself mm-hmm. based off of context clues and the intentional game design that sort of pushed you into experimentation or like figuring out how to do things on your own. There was ve- like, there's, it doesn't say press a to jump hardly. Like it doesn't do that type of tutorial. Right. It just sort of drops you in scenarios where if you want to press a button, Oh, you jump. That's how I get up uh, get up to this higher area. Now that I know how to jump, I can figure out how to do this other thing. And they just sort of, like, I think they went all the way back to the original Super Mario Brothers and how it teaches you in the first level how to play it. It did that again in Odyssey, and it worked. It was brilliant watching her play Odyssey. Nintendo's uh, approach to design in that specific style, I think, is something that, like, a lot of game designers aspire to right because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day it's something that somebody with no knowledge at all can figure it out yeah 
So it was a it was a great like Mario game for mm-hmm. for both me and my daughter. And then finally my uh, Hades. Yep. Uh that's where I played a majority of my time in Hades. It has crossplay with PC. So for the brief period I had uh Game Pass and it was on there. I could play on PC for a bit and then take that exact same save file, grab my Switch and go. That's that was that's re- super handy. Really cool uh and it's because the runs are like 30 minutes, it's easy to pick up and play a run. Uh and then again just like with Persona 5, it looks amazing on the OLED. Oh, it, yeah. It looks really, really good. What about you, Alex? So, following your, your Mario thing, Mario Odyssey is very good, but I gotta hand it to Breath of the Wild as far as, like, core Nintendo experiences. It's just, it's so special, man. Like, I cannot wait to see what Tears of the Kingdom brings, and I hope that it holds up as far as performance is concerned, because that's my biggest worry right now is it's going to come out and run like crap. And <laughs> if it does, that would be bad. But, you know, at the end of the day, Breath of the Wild really impressed me. Um, all the open-ended design, all the ways that, you know, you can interact with it are really cool. And it just, it created player, expre- like, moments of player expression that you wouldn't get most places. It's like emergent storytelling or whatever you call it, and that's really cool. And um, had I played it on the Switch, I probably would have had it on my list. Yep. But I played it on Wii U. It's still pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. But uh, I don't know, man. It was it was a special time. I, I gave it a 10 out of 10 on Mariner's Rock when it, when it came out. But Monster Hunter Rise has been awesome, mostly because of how much I just adore Monster Hunter. And so having that on the go it and work as well as it does is really impressive. And even though we would still want more out of it, we really want crossplay as the Monster Hunter player community has said many a time and how I've been preaching for years now. But at the end of the day, like Monster Hunter Rise is still one of my favorite co-op experiences on one of my favorite consoles. And that's super cool to me. Um, The other game that I think is the big standout is Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like 80 some characters created some of the most fun tournament environments I've been involved with personally. It completely like gave me an opportunity to work in esports for a while and I really enjoy like the competitive scenes now because of the the past couple years, and I owe a lot of that to Smash Bros. So it's it's a special one. I'm yeah, not very good, good at it, <laughs> <laughs> but I love watching it, and I love watching uh, people be good at it and see all the cool little stories that develop at tournaments, and it's a it's a fun time. All right. Well, that's that's our discussion on the six year anniversary of the Switch. Woo. If you have anything you'd like to share about your experience with the Switch, feel free to hit us up on social media or anything like that. We're going to go into a new segment. Oh. So last time, we did like a bonus game thing. Yeah. With anime games. Right. I got something similar this time, calling it speed rating. Oh. I've grabbed some of the top rated games on Switch. Okay. Ever. According to Open Critic or Metacritic? Uh, Metacritic. Okay. But I've grabbed, <laughs> I'm, I'm going through some user reviews. Uh-huh. I'm going to start with bad reviews. And if you can guess the game oh, before I get all the way through like uh, uh, positive reviews, you get a point. I don't know. Do the points matter? Do you guys care? Metroid. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> so uh, <clears throat> these aren't. 
necessarily I, I grabbed notable well-known games there were some okay. weird ones on there that i didn't go with because i was like they're not i didn't even know this game existed until i looked at this list <laughs> like like i'm, I'm not ready. gonna pick it are we gonna take um, turns then i mean whoever wants to so i'll okay. read i'll read uh start with a negative review give you guys a chance to guess if you don't get it i'll move to a middle review mm. and then a positive review same so we'll just work okay. our way up so if okay. you if you get it right on the the negative review five points Woo. middle review three points positive review one point gotcha i'm caught and up. then if no one gets it after that nobody gets no- i get a point because no. screw you <laughs> <laughs> all right first game up negative review it felt like a visual novel with some rpg elements i think all the time i spent 15 minutes skipping dialogue and cutscenes before i could play a little amount of time Ten hours, skipping everything into the game, it felt like I was still in the tutorial. Persona. The amount of dialogue... What? Persona. Got it. Nailed it. That's. I assumed it was going to be Persona. It's, it's Persona it's, 5, right? Yep. Critic, Metascore on critic reviews for the Switch version is at 94. Uh, user score is 8.4 out of 10. Wow. That's, hey, that's still excellent. All right. Metacritic is also a cesspool, by the way. Uh, so just so we're all aware, Zach has five points. <laughs> Negative review of the next game. Story and characters feel very shallow. Main story characters are very underdeveloped, which leaves you wanting for more. How can you expect players to like any of the characters when you don't when you only give them ten lines? Music is very underwhelming. Waiting times are ridiculous. Upgrading a piece of armor, watch a cutscene. Discover something, cutscene. Cooking food, cutscene. Cutscene, cutscene, cutscene. Everything needs a cutscene. Everything also just seems so repetitive. Uh, The four main places are basically just giant puzzles. The bosses are practically the same. Shoot them, get damage. Repeat for one or two minor new gimmicks. Is that Breath of the Wild? It is. (laughs) It was the four areas is what got me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and I, I have to like on the fly change like kind of what they're stuff yeah yeah because i, I don't want to like give it away like man this zelda game sucks <laughs> guess which game i'm talking about oh uh, minish cap all right it's on the switch <laughs> hopefully they get a little bit more harder from here on out i don't know we'll see we're just geniuses is the it's issue. five to five right yes yeah all right apparently. This game was by far the worst game I have ever played. The game was a huge disappointment and did not live up to the hype at all. The game tries to innovate but ends up being a lackluster experience. Why couldn't you punch and kick like you could in Knack 2? If Nintendo wanted to innovate, they should have followed in Knack's footsteps. Why couldn't there be a first-person shooter mode where you could capture an army man and use his gun to shoot enemies? Capture an army man and use his gun? Is this a... Oh, I'm, sk- I'm skipping a chunk. The whole game just feels like a copy of a previous game when you think about it. Very is... disappointed. We'll be selling back to GameStop. Is this a donkey review? No. Why did they mention Knack? <laughs> that's a weird... Know. Yeah, that's a weird drop. Is it No More Heroes 3? No. Damn it. 
That was my guess. <laughs> All right. Here, here's another negative review just because that one wasn't didn't go into it too much. It was just complaining. This game was literally built for children. It was so easy to beat. You always have the advantage. Allowing you to control uh, the other was a great idea with bad execution. Oh, is it Luigi's Mansion 3? Nope. Dang it. And you've already got done your guess for this round. Uh, oh, man. The city was by far the worst 3D rendition of a metropolitan city I've ever seen. Oh, now I have a better guess. I don't know. <laughs> Can I guess again? No, we're going to move on to mixed reviews. <laughs> this game is an okay game and, in my opinion, overhyped. The game is using the same mechanic that Nintendo has been using since the Nintendo 64. And although that mechanic worked for all of the other titles, I just think it's been overused. Story is bland, and since it's the exact same thing over and over again, the story needs to change. Add new villains. Change the story a bit. The only new mechanic in this game is the hat. Mario Odyssey. Yeah. Yes. Aha! So I get three <laughs> points now, right? Yep. When you said bad city, I'm like, oh, is this Deadly Premonition 2? <laughs> <laughs> I, I rock in some weird circles in games, guys. I mean... <laughs> the next game. Negative review. This game is a disappointment to fans of the original. While the graphics have been updated, the gameplay feels clunky and outdated. The controls are difficult to master and the camera angles are frustrating, making it hard to navigate through the game's environment. Additionally, the game's storyline feels lacking and uninspired. The lack of character development and depth makes it difficult to connect with the game's protagonist. The game also lacks replayability, as there is little incentive to revisit previously explored areas. Overall, fails to capture the magic of the original game and falls short in terms of both gameplay and story. Fans of the series will be disappointed and newcomers may struggle to find enjoyment in this lackluster remaster. Mm. A remaster and or sequel. Is it Metroid Prime remastered? It is. That's oh. weird. Why would they <laughs> say it like that? They gave it a zero. Ooh, oh. they mad. <laughs> Which, if I remember Call correctly, they, they, in the remaster, they give you controller options. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't understand what their complaint is. It's better from what I've read, but the thing is, is it's still a game from, what, 2004? So the map is still going to suck. <laughs> you still got to yeah. backtrack all the time, so it's, you know, it is what it is. All right, last game. And I, 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 think at, I think at this <laughs> point, I don't even think Zach can win. This is where I like things to be. <laughs> <You're just> <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed victories for Alex. Hell yeah. All right. The final negative review hmm. for speed rating. I don't know why I called it that. I just liked the play on words. Can we get a, a segment that sounds like speed racer, but it's speed rating? And you go, huh? <laughs> overrated fun at first but after finishing the first level you realize it's just grinding the same exact encounters over and over repeating 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 and repeating the same levels progression is dripped out 
and game's characters quickly lose any luster as repeating gameplay is designed to have interacted with each 50 times. Game story is so boring. You need to interact with them 49 more times before you hear something new. Don't be fooled by the high ratings, as there's not much there. Interact with them over it's, and over. That's the, the detail that I'm hooked on right now, is you have to talk to the characters a lot before you get a new piece of dialogue. Hmm. Uh, a, a quick clue, be. so you're not like locking yourself in, uh, in, in like mindset-wise. This is not an exclusive. Is it Undertale? No. Is it Hades? It is. Oh, <laughs> good one. I was well done, guys. <laughs> I wasn't sure how this would go because, uh, like, <laughs> well, you, you gotta, know, you gotta figure. You, you gotta realize who you're with right now. I mean, <laughs> we we have absolute geniuses. Yes, and we have vastly <laughs> different tastes. True. They they overlap in some excellent spots, but we have weirdly different tastes to pull from. Put us together, we could fuck up a trivia night, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> if it was video game based, yeah, oh, we could. Yeah. All right, sports trivia. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Tapping into the weird I... things my friends I play games with who are sports fanatics tell me. Yeah, right. Like I listen to a sports podcast every now and again, just because the guys who were on it were like. We need to vent this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shout well, that was Waypoint speed rating. Ice. Hope you guys had some fun. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. cool. <laughs> That's the end of our episode. Mm. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed our, our Switch is 6 conversation and our bonus segment and our Geek Peaks. If you enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us a follow or share it with a friend. Uh, or, you know, get in touch with us. Tell us about your Switch experiences. Or if you hated speed rating, let us know so we never do it again. <laughs> or we choose to do it every time, despite you. I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how we're feeling. But uh, thanks for listening. This has been Joe, Alex, and Zach. And till next time, stay cool and play some games. <laughs>